0: Hi, Sarah. Hello. <laughs> um, so just to get started, uh, I'm going to do some quick introductions. My name's Seth. Thank you for listening in. Um, I'm speaking today with my good friend, Sarah Webb. And uh, actually, Sarah, I'm just going to let you do a quick introduction about yourself. And if you could do me a favor and just go into a brief description summary of colorism healing, maybe the writing contest and any other parts about it that you feel are relevant or Feel comfortable just going into.
1: Okay, great. Um, So I'm Sarah Webb. Um, I started the initiative Colorism Healing back in 2013. It started as just a website where I would write blog posts about explaining what colorism is, how it affects people, and that sort of thing. And then over time, I realized that people kind of needed a platform where they could share their own stories so it wasn't just me writing blog posts but bringing other voices into the conversation people who had their own um experiences or opinions to share and so I started a writing contest in 2014 um and over the years I've gotten close to a thousand submissions from people in different countries people of different ages different ethnic groups people who speak different languages um, so a very diverse group of people who have all been affected by the issue of colorism or have family members who've been affected by it. Um, so it's been really um, good to hear that um, the, the diverse stories from people. And then in 2017, I started putting those in books so that there was um, a way for people to access um, the collection of those stories that people have submitted over time. Um, and for anyone who's listening who might not know what colorism is, colorism is a system of discrimination or bias um, based on how light or dark someone's skin tone is in comparison to people of the same race. So even though people might have the same race, their skin complexions might vary widely based on how light or dark they are. And so in a lot of societies, a lot of cultures, that results in um differential treatment and bias and prejudice and that sort of thing um and then on top of that i am also a phd student in english and um, i'm a writer so i publish my own poetry and you know essays and things like that in different mediums um so that's where i am in this phase of my life and um, i'm excited to talk about um the topic with seth today
0: (laughs) (laughs) really glad and i'm just gonna do a quick and very um Uh, shameless with, 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 with (laughs) great pride plug. uh, If you want to look into more about Sarah's project, colorismhealing.org, I'm going to highly encourage again, colorismhealing.org, please take a look. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's not only some great uh, writing prompts, but there's the contest. And then of course you can follow her on, follow her on Instagram where you can see a lot of those prompts and some really great inspirational messages. One of which I saw this morning, and I'm really excited to add to part of our discussion later. Um, yes. and we're going to get to that because we already, you know, started getting excited going. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as uh, to, today, the biggest thing I, I wanted to, to start out with and then have those other questions follow as well were some topics that came up when um, I was part of uh an event that was held at the GDC. And just for a quick background, Mm -hmm. I'm the uh, editor and a writer on a uh, video game called Planet Rise that's being uh, developed by Blue Alchemy Studios, headed by my good friend and CEO Jabari Ali. Um, It's an independent game, and it's uh, got a pretty diverse uh, cast working on it. And uh, Jabari was uh, wise enough to let us know about a Blacksin gaming panel that was being held at the GDC that I was able to attend with almost all of the other writers. And we had a chance to hear some great questions come up. I've had a chance to have a discussion with one of the writers, Fen, and he gave some uh, really great insight into his perspective. I had to take a chance now to broaden out away from the game and talk with Sarah um about some of these questions that came up during this panel and to get her perspective because i feel that she's got not only the wider lens um being outside of this small gaming community that i've been discussing with but also through the project of colorism healing and the number of submissions she's gotten from as she already described such a huge uh, range of locales and stories and viewpoints um that that kind of uh, perspective is going to give a different lens for some of these answers. I know I'm getting long winded with these questions, so I'm just Mm going to shut up and move into the actual questions. Um, I'm going to start out with the first one and thanks for your patience, both Sarah and anybody listening. Um, (laughs) So the first question that, that really kind of lingered after the conversation, it's one that I followed up Mm -hmm. with then was why are there so few games, movies with uh, diverse main characters Um, there's a myth that they are hard to sell and I was just curious what you felt about uh, both both questions one why are there so few and what about this myth that they are hard Mm -hmm. to sell or that it's hard to generate the uh, financial response that that makes them a worthwhile investment for studios
1: yeah um, I think that that question is super important but it's also super complex Um, so I'll, I'll start off by saying that right like Um, people have written volumes um, on like this issue. And so I want to acknowledge right away that I will probably um, not even do justice in the time that we have to answer it. Um, So I think the first thing is to acknowledge that it is a complex issue, right? And so that um, in thinking about it as a complex issue, we can also say that there are multiple solutions and multiple reasons, right? I don't want to oversimplify any of these things. Um, And I think so one important factor is to look at how the industries have changed over time. And um, I think there might have been more truth to that philosophy that it's harder to sell movies or games or products um, that feature people of color or other minorities. That might have actually been true at some at one point in our history as a nation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even for the simple fact that, um, In the Jim Crow South, for example, um, you have white-only movie theaters, right? So if you're legally excluding uh, entire masses of people from going to the movies, then it makes sense to say, well, we're going to make movies for people who can actually go and see films, (laughs) you know? Right. Um, So I think uh, that is a big part of it. But I think going back to that same history of um, segregation and exclusion, I think that, too, lends to why there are so few people of color in the pipeline um, in terms of creating films. So it's taken a long time to have diverse creators and makers um, for the simple fact that um, our country has a history of excluding those people from film schools, right, or excluding people from gaining the capital it takes to um, raise funds for, you know, movies of a certain budget or projects of a certain budget. Um, So I think that pipeline takes time to fill. Um, And so over time, we'll see as more diverse people become gatekeepers and become creators, um, that the pipeline will fill up with more diversity. Um, But I also think uh, that with uh, greater access, we see that it's not just... um, diverse audiences that like diversity, right? So right. very homogenous, um, you know, mainstream, you know, white white middle-class America. They have also responded really well to diverse um, representations in media, whether it be on TV, whether it be in Hollywood box office, whether it be in gaming and that sort of thing, um, sports, athletics, everything. Um, because I think at the end of the day, a lot of people appreciate, a good story. They appreciate well-done characters. Um, They appreciate um, great cinematography, right? They appreciate an interesting plot line. Um, So, I mean, that's my initial response to that. Um, I'm curious to see if you uh, (laughs) agree or disagree or like have a a piece to add to that. Um, But in terms of like why there's a lack of diversity in representation, I think it goes back to a lack of diversity in people who are creating these things and then the myth about things not selling though it might have been true at one point um it's been proven wrong time and time again as history has progressed
0: agreed uh and there's one thank you uh i think you pointed out a couple of things one by starting out that it's a complex question and one of the Mm -hmm. things that i feel is going to add to creating um a complete answer is by asking as many people as I can as part of this discussion <laughs> in the hope yeah. that everyone will have a chance to overlap each other in their answers to uh, mm-hmm. go over what others have discussed and maybe add viewpoints that, I mean, we're all going to get excited when we're talking. And it, that's why when you're <laughs> writing things down, you have the blessing of going back and editing and rewriting and rewriting because you can catch mm-hmm. those things that you wanted to say, but in the passionate moment, you were talking about an idea that kind of, narrowed your focus and you know that there right. are other things you always want to talk about but in the moment mm-hmm. do you have the chance to cover all of them and in such a complex okay. question of course things will be missed so one I'm, I'm looking forward to the different answers that will overlap and provide that completeness to the to the answer that wide range that sort of make sure that these gaps that sometimes can occur are are covered and addressed mm-hmm. um and that they're avoided uh, from from existing or uh sticking around in any way but also um i think you are you know pointing out some really great things that are 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 fun to talk about right now one the idea of how do you build up the pipeline um Mm -hmm. that that it takes time two that at the panel i heard um a few responses that pointed out the idea of gatekeepers and how the access was the first issue and that by making inroads with gatekeepers and creating gatekeepers who can recognize that there is value beyond what's traditionally been held or been, you know, looked at and then use that advantage and say, okay, now that we have someone who's recognizing it, now we can add that value and start supporting the claim that yes, there is a value here that, that we're continuing to add. And by having more gatekeepers who can be aware of that, like, we can widen the discussion and continue the the broadening, I guess, continue the mm-hmm. uh, the widening. Um, but also it reminds me of a couple of things that I've heard about for uh, recent, I heard a uh, quick interview with uh, Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. And that he now has, I believe, one of the largest independent mm-hmm. movie production companies. Like that, yeah. that he, that the, I think it was the <laughs> host of like Jimmy Kimmel or somebody was like, I, I'm serious. I was driving by your, your, and they said, Oh, yeah, that's the Tyler Perry studios. And he was like, I think you're bigger than WB. I think you're bigger than Warner, but I can't tell. <laughs> He's like, We're up there. But he, he pointed to this idea that he felt that if, you know, if there was a lack of access through the current models, then mm-hmm. create a model that defines access um, differently right. and that also creates avenues of access that should be completely open. And now that Mm -hmm. they are, all of these projects that have been sort of looking for that opportunity are being told, okay, time to step up. Give us your best work because we're the people that'll make it happen for you. Um, So I I agree that, yeah, the the history has shown um, that it's been a challenge, but that the progress Mm -hmm. shows that the results are starting to be seen. Um, And actually, when I was talking with Fen, it was great because he mentioned, uh, and we got into a little bit of the, Sort of a momentum over the past maybe five or ten years leading up to the recent like sort of uh big leaps with Get Out or mm-hmm. Black Panther, mm-hmm. both of yeah. which, you know, addressed huge audience <laughs> grabs in two very different mm-hmm. genres, but also had mm-hmm. kind of a crossover appeal. I mean, we're talking about one's a horror movie, a suspense right. thriller, and the other one is an action comic book movie. And yet both right. you know, really just well, I, I'd like to hear what you say about how they, what changes you saw both of those films doing.
1: hmm um, So, yeah, I think what, what you said is that the one change that both of them um, brought about is we can no longer um, use the excuse of, oh, minority leads or uh, majority-minority casting uh, doesn't appeal to broad swaths of, the public you know either nationally or internationally right so i think that is one major um, accomplishment of both of those films is that they they bust that myth right that the modern Public um, worldwide and also domestically in the U.S. Um, is actually open to that, and we've also had TV shows that have done similar things. You know, like um, Scandal and the whole Shonda Land, Shonda Rhimes. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, success on television has also shown that. You know, so in multiple mediums, um, we have fairly relatively recent uh, productions that have proven um, that things have indeed changed and that the public is um, ready for diversity. Um, And I think also they have allowed, uh, so the the success of all those movies and all those shows, the people who were part of those projects, I think have, because of the success of those projects, they have been able to go on and do other things, right? So the, the main characters, the actors, the writers, who are part of all those super successful projects, they can then and go become their own gatekeepers, right? And so they can start their own projects. They can um, open up doors and have access to other people. So when a show that features um, minority writers, minority actors, minority directors, um, does really, really well, then it enables those people to continue to make projects in the future. And so I think that kind of opens up the pipeline even more. Because um, if any of those projects had been a terrible failure, you know, have like had like bombed massively, then um, it might have we might have taken a few steps back in terms of that progress, right? So fortunately, um, the work was well done, and people uh, received it well, so that um, it multiplies the opportunities. So
0: yeah, um, and I. Th- I think you really, you know, you brought in some other ideas and one that was in my head while I was listening to you. And then, then you went and said it, which was new gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. by creating this new, um, I almost want to say generation, but it's not even really generation, (laughs) but this new, this new cast, because you've got people that are part of those projects who that maybe this is in their first five years in the business and others who are saying, well, 25 years later, it's starting to pay off, but Mm -hmm. no matter Mm -hmm. what, that, that access now and also that recognition of this is someone who in this role has proven success and now can continue to do so with others on new projects. And let's, you know, continue the, uh... I keep coming back to momentum and I know I'm going to find a better Mm. word as we go, but it seems (laughs) to be one of the ones it's, it's like a wave, you know, you just feel like it's steady. It's not like it's rushing, crashing, but it's just continuing. And it it feels like it's, not not stopping anytime soon, which is part of the fun. Because mm-hmm. now you're like, okay, well, where's this going? You know, what's what's yes, next on the yeah, horizon?
1: <laughs> I agree. And I actually, I actually think momentum is a fitting word. So you're doing okay. you're doing okay. well with that word.
0: Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> so I, I think we've done a pretty good job of at least covering those uh, first two questions. Um, I was thinking if there was, I was just glancing over my notes from the panel about whether or not there had been. Um, any references to uh, issues with the myth part why it's hard to sell mm-hmm. and why do they say that and I do know that there had been some mentions of um, providing characters who were not stereotypes and that mm-hmm. there, was a, there was an issue with um, getting people on teams at gaming um, companies to view a league character who wasn't white, as not mm-hmm. being stereotypical. Once you change the color of that character's skin, and that uh, seemed to be mm-hmm. another issue. It was like, well, once we change the color of his skin, don't we have to change certain aspects about them? And uh, you know, the, uh, the argument then right. would be, well, why? Why is it that you know <laughs> what, what stereotype do you, are you saying that we have to embrace or stereotypes we should be embracing if we're going to do this to make it quote unquote marketable? or saleable Mm -hmm. and i just wondered if uh, if there's any if you had any thoughts just in regards to how that answer came about
1: yeah um so i honestly don't know as much about like how um gaming is is done in terms Mm -hmm. of like from from conception to like uh distribution sure sure
0: (laughs) like that but more about the idea of um what you think about that concept that if you change the color of the skin Mm -hmm. of the lead character in a story that that somehow has to change what that character is, how they, um, interact with their world or what type of quote unquote stereotypes they need to embrace or represent if they no longer are a white character.
1: Right. Um, man, this seems like such a, uh, uh, I think recurring question um, is how uh, much influence do various parts of our identities have on who we are in the world and how we move through the world? Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think that in real life, um, there are certain aspects of your identity that might um, influence who you become, Mm -hmm. but because identity is so multifaceted, (laughs) You can't say, oh, this person acts that way because of this one trait, right? And so I think, again, any good storyteller is going to avoid oversimplification um, as much as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Any good storyteller is going to look for the particular nuances um, that make a character special and unique, Um and I think that when you get when we get into um, oh well, if this character's color is this, then they automatically have to be that, um, then you're 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 throwing the nuance and the complexity out the door, right? Right. Um and so I think there there's an oversimplification about who um particularly uh characters of color are. So like um in, in our culture, in our society, we see white people generally as being very, very diverse you know like white people can be all sorts of ways and they can do all sorts of things um and each white person is individual and unique unique right in our society but then when we start thinking about other ethnic groups other um, racial groups um we somehow they they are all the same right so they um are monolithic and they all have um there's no variety or nuance among those people um and so i think it's it's one thing to say, I change the character I change the color of this character's skin, So let me then think about um how that influences the character versus mm-hmm. saying, um, I change the character the color of this character's skin, and so then I ha I automatically have to change um the way they dress, right? Or the way they talk, or the car they drive, or the neighborhood they live in, or um even the way they wear their hair or what they're wearing. Um so I think there's nothing wrong with considering like what how the store character's story might change if you change their skin color. Um, but I think it's uh we should not assume that certain types of changes must be made. Is that clear? Right? So it's okay to to ask what sh- what changes if any need to be made, but I think the problem is when we assume that um we already know those changes, right? So without taking into context other aspects of that character's story. Right.
0: I, I agree. I think, um, I think you did a great job. I did understand. Um, I felt comfortable okay. <laughs> with what you're describing. And also I think it comes back to uh, also a little bit of, of the challenge of making sure that, that the question is being framed in a way that
1: it's Mm-mm. understood
0: and how you you're looking for an answer, which is, well, actually what we're asking is, you know, if someone says, well, I'm, I'm not sure if I understand you know, what you're looking for, you're, you're asking someone and you're asking anyone who's phrasing the questions to say, are you basing this question on what you feel the assumption of the audience viewing right. this will accept? Or on right. you, are you basing this on an intention that's separate from that, which is now that I've changed this part of the character's um, physical appearance? what parts Mm -hmm. about their identity through their environment or other things do I need to be considering when I'm writing this character? So if you're, if you're trying to like be thoughtful about how this um, affects the character shaping because of Mm -hmm. any other parts of their environment, now that you've changed their skin color and potentially what their background or things like that are, then you've like thought about, you know, the character. But if you're trying to assume what you think the audience is going to believe about this character then you're, you're mm-hmm. buying into their assumption of what is an acceptable version of characters based on skin right is that yes is that kind of yes thank you yeah well I, I, think I, it gets I like confusing <laughs> mm-hmm. it does. but it got close right
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yep. and i think um so i think i just want to reiterate what i was saying about good storytelling in general um because you know, it could be something as simple as a character who um, you change the the age of the character, right? So the character might start out at the beginning at eight, and then over time they become, you know, they're 40, right? Right. And so you would ask yourself, okay, that one change, right? It's one change, right? So it's not the skin color, but it's the age. And then how does that affect the character, right? And so I think anytime we're creating um, characters, um, any thing is up for grabs in terms of how it might affect um, the way they move through the story.
0: Yeah, I think and that's a great job of moving it away from an idea about one detail, changing it mm-hmm. to another detail and then asking, you know, what's appropriate, you know, now that I've changed this detail. And I think exactly. if you're looking at like, okay, if I'm writing my characters, and I'm developing them, developing them based on these details I'm providing, what does that tell me about the character? What does that introduce mm-hmm. for me and show me? And um, by moving into the, that area of details, it also changes what questions should be asked. You know, what, mm-hmm. what do I need to understand by, by adding these details? What do I need to include by adding these details? And um, mm-hmm. that's actually a pretty good uh, thing to keep in mind as far as an instructional approach. Like, well, when you're mm-hmm. writing, these are some things that, you know, can help you really um, clarify that you know, and make sure that you're not making assumptions, that you're focusing on details and what their value is or what their importance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And actually I think, um, that, that does a nice, uh, provides an opportunity to then move into, I think what is a positive side of this question, which is, Mm -hmm. um, what do you see are the values of a story that crosses all borders? Um, that has more of a uh, a universal quality, which is something that the the panel had mentioned later, which they felt made um, stories that we'd recently talked about as being success, whether it's Black Panther mm-hmm. or Get Out, that there were universal qualities that made them accessible to all audiences. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, um, what do you see as being the, the value of that? What what do we get to include instead of talking about the things that assumptions can exclude? What can we Mm -hmm. see as the positive side when we actually um, value a story and focus on a story that has these broad, diverse themes that people from all walks of life can recognize and also, um, I guess, be drawn to.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a great question. That's that's one of the beautiful things about stories, you know. Um, I think that's why um, throughout the history of humankind, we have been storytellers. Um, because there is something universal about it. a well-told story, right? Like a, a good story um, is going to touch different types of people at their core for different reasons, but still, they can be touched by it. Um, and one thing I've, I've said, too... Um, when we were in grad school together at cca i did this project called the unselfed portrait because even back then we were talking about like how do you write a character that's different from who you are um so i think that's there is some fear sometimes of portraying characters that do not have the same identities that we do Mm -hmm. um but i always talk about um i might not you know have ever walked a mile in your shoes or like inhabited your identity but um there are things like hunger, there are things like fear, there are things like love, right? That no matter who you are, if you've experienced those things, then I can relate to you because I too have experienced those things. Um, we've, all, we've all been um, misunderstood by someone, right? So again, the reasons for the misunderstanding varies, but we all understand that basic frustration. We all know what it feels like to to not feel like you're being heard, right? To not feel like you're being acknowledged um, in a way that you feel you should be. Um, And the same with, you know, every, across all cultures and societies, all people smile, right? All people laugh. Um, And so I think the value of having, um, of practicing, you know, the, the paying attention to details and paying attention to um, individual particular characters is that um, once you remain, if, if you stay true to, to the, portraying the character in their fullness, right? Um, then you'll find that all types of people can connect um, with that humanity right and i think that's at the end of the day is recognizing the humanity in all people um and i think that's that's the connecting thread is that all of humanity can relate to um loss or grief or happiness or joy or you know the feeling of um accomplishment right um and so i think that's stories like um black panther get out even you know a wrinkle in time um which is, you know, not comic book related, but it's still a fantasy sci-fi film and has a very diverse cast. You know, um, I think they they all portray those universal human qualities and experiences.
0: Okay. Um, it's interesting that you brought up Wrinkle in Time as well, because uh, the, uh, the writer I was speaking with last time, Fen, he actually, mm. um, that was one that he felt, um, we had been talking about the ideas and the challenges of um, trying to represent and when trying to represent that there's always that risk of falling short and he even mentioned Uh, that when we started on this game together he said yeah yeah. I I I wondered about us having three um league characters who were all black and whether or not that was something that that we were going to you know fulfill the promise of like how can we make sure that we're successful in that And I I just followed up and I said, well, have you ever seen examples where it didn't really fall? He's like, well, because I've seen examples where it didn't work. And I said, well, can you point to any? He goes, well, I don't want to throw anything under the bus. But he's like, there were moments (laughs) in Wrinkle in Time where he felt it it didn't live up to to what he was hoping for. That he felt that there were moments when there was like a a lack of awareness in the – the lens of the director or the the people shaping the story that for certain mm-hmm. lines that were delivered. Um, he pointed to, I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, yeah. I have you seen the movie?
1: Yes. I have.
0: Okay. So he references a scene and maybe you can help me out with it. There's a scene yeah. where he says that, um, that there's a character who's played by, um, Oh, that girl from like she's sweet home Alabama and she's got um Reese
1: Witherspoon.
0: Yes. That she yeah. arrives on a scene and walks in and makes a mention to the mom and uh something about wow, you've done a really great job of, of uh keeping the darkness out. Yeah. Do you remember this? Can you can you describe the the scene at all as you remember it? Uh yeah, where, where she comes um, in and what 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 was said, and then I can try and follow because I haven't seen the movie yet, and I don't want to yeah. try and describe um, so, a scene <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. So the um the family's at home, um, and it's a it's a multiracial family. So um, and the the father who is a white um, scientist, and the mother's a African American scientist, or I think she's supposed to be her character's supposed to be an African American scientist. Um. The, the father has disappeared, and so this is a couple of years several years later um, and the so the family's at home, the mom, the daughter, and then the son who was adopted, the younger brother he has been in contact with these um, beings from the universe, and so the first being to appear in the story is Reese Witherspoon's character, um, mm-hmm. who's you know a white woman She's, she she has red hair in the film, I believe um, so she she comes in at the invite of the the this, the brother, the little brother, um, and so she uh, mentions you've done a good job of keeping the darkness out. Um, and I think in the film, there is the juxtaposition between dark and light as forces for um, good and evil in the world. And so that's the scene as I remember it.
0: Understood. Yeah, I think the two mm-hmm. points that raised issue that he felt. Um, fell short and that also changed the, uh, the, the tone of the film form where one presenting light and dark, because he feels that right. um, given just the way uh, the historical lens has been that when you're casting things in those two uh, opposing forces of light and dark, mm-hmm. that you can the already binary. start to, yeah, that you can start to lose um, a lot of uh, the viewers who feel like, well, you're you're making distinctions about who I am as the person viewing this uh Mm -hmm. based simply on light and dark but also that he felt that in that moment in that scene that the way that Reese Witherspoon says the phrase kept out the darkness that there's a moment where it appears as if she's looking at the daughter Mm -hmm. and that that sort of lack of awareness by the director that 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 sense of discomfort that he felt during that moment was something that he thinks uh and was speaking with others, was aware that they had shared as well, and yeah. felt that that was one of those moments where he said, "Wow, they could have really lived up to more in that moment, but mm. it, it seemed like it had it had fallen short, or that there was uh, something had been taken away from it because of how that scene was yeah. portrayed and played out." Um,
1: yeah, I um, so I read, I read that scene and I read the film in general um, a little differently. So um, okay. for one, and I'm sorry, this is so spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so one of the things <laughs> about, about Reese Witherspoon's character is that, um, and so the director is Ava DuVernay, mm-hmm. just for people who don't know. One of the things about Reese Witherspoon's character is that she's the only, she's one of the only two um, white characters that are, that go on this journey, right? right. Um, so there's the the father's white, there's um, a peer who's a, a, a white boy, and then Reese Witherspoon, one of the, the three female beings from the universe, is also a white character. Um, and so Reese, Reese Witherspoon's character, I think, I thought it was fitting that she was the white one because she was the most skeptical of the daughter's um, abilities are most she was the most critical of the daughter um and i actually saw it as um reflective (laughs) so to speak um and and that the the director was almost calling attention to the way that this white character was uh what do you call it under not believing in this person's potential
0: Um, okay Um, Sounds almost like a storytelling device in plot development so that the understanding for the audience of the value and um, potential of this character that is um, being criticized or has skepticism from uh, the white character uh, played by Reese Witherspoon is sort of Mm -hmm. developed through the rest of the story because... I'm guessing at some point she, she proves the skepticism wrong or at least proves exactly. the value. <laughs> so it was a device more yeah. than it was actually. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, and um, so,
1: and so at the end, there's this, uh, this uh, moment of irony where Reese Witherspoon says, well, I knew she could do it all along. And then everyone looks at her and like <laughs> rolls their eyes and was like, no, you were her biggest critic, you know? Right. So I think it's kind of a joke, but not, not a joke, but like a, Almost a comic understanding relief. that the, yeah, at that moment. But I think there's an understanding between the storyteller, the narrator and the audience and that Reese Witherspoon's character is not self-aware enough to see herself, but that okay. the writer and the audience can see her. That makes sense.
0: It, it completely makes sense. And actually that's really fun for me because I've almost finished editing uh, the, the um, conversation I had with Finn. And I'll mm-hmm. have that up soon. So that'll be one that um, hopefully you'll get a chance to listen to uh, and hear what yeah. he had to say. Just to, But now, hopefully once, and I'm still getting more comfortable with editing these things, but I'll have yours <laughs> done in the next day or two. And when that goes up, I'll be curious to hear what he has to say after he's had a chance to listen to your viewpoint. Uh-huh. You know, And it's fun yeah. for me because I haven't seen it. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, yeah? Oh. And now I'm talking to <laughs> him going oh oh okay. yeah <laughs> well, now i've got two different ways to view this and when i see it i'm gonna have both of those things in mind which for mm-hmm. me is part of the fun i think and that's that's why i'm gonna uh value the fact that i've had you know two of these great conversations so far and and the others that i'm looking forward to um and just so you know and for anybody who's listening this won't be the only time i'll be talking with sarah my my goal is to have conversations <laughs> with the other writers and then I want to yeah. have a conversation with our CEO, Jabari. And then I want to have Jabari <laughs> and Sarah on a conversation with me because yeah, I want to take yeah. some of these answers we've been getting, talk about yeah. what they are and maybe go into some depth. So um, just, yeah. just be prepared to hear more, hopefully more of Sarah than me, but I will be part of it <laughs> because I'm going to be the one like, come on, Sarah, I really want to hear yeah. what you have to say about this stuff. So but I that's think, the really so fun I- part. Sorry.
1: I think in terms of, like, storytelling, I think it's it's interesting for people who are listening who have or have not seen the film, like, to, to revisit that scene and ask yourself, okay, what does it mean if this was an oversight on the part of the director, okay? And then ask yourself, what does it mean if this was intentional by the director, okay? So same scene, like, right. nothing in the scene changes. The only thing that changes is, was it an accident? Was it an oversight? Was it um, just by accident? And then same scene. And it changes if I did this on purpose, this was an intention and there's, there's something that I'm signaling intentionally by directing the scene the way I did, right? So I think, and that, again, like you talked about, like in terms of like education and like a, like a teaching tool, like even just that exercise, of like watching films and saying, okay, if that choice was an intentional choice, what does it mean versus if that choice was merely an oversight or an accident on the part of the creators? I think that can bring up a lot of important questions. I think it's less important like what your conclusions are than the fact that that kind of like critical thinking about film and and media representation of all sorts, um, I think will make us all more critical and intelligent and engaged consumers, you know?
0: I, I do, actually. And I think it's kind of fun because uh, you mentioned the word intention a couple of times. And I think that comes back mm-hmm. to that idea we were talking earlier about. Is it about intention or assumption? And mm-hmm. if it's if it's the one you, you're going to see that there's going to be a development. And if it's about the other, then it's just going to show what you already know to be um, the assumption side, which is ah, mm-hmm. stereotype and lack of development and rote, you know, stayed character. You know, cutting. Yeah. Up. Um, and that that what we were you know what we were talking about now is an opportunity to ask that question when looking at this scene, and then afterwards, okay, mm-hmm. what do you say? You know, what what's going yeah. on here? Is it assumption? Is it intention? And and then let's go from there. So, huh? I, I don't know if you realized it, but you just created another question for us to talk about <laughs> on, on that follow up with uh, you, me, and Jabbar. So, uh,
1: ah, awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the other. Uh, well, I feel like that was a, a really good, uh, not addressing, but a really good discussion that, that covered, I feel, the majority of the answer on um, the, the value of a story that crosses all borders. Um, mm-hmm. I think it moves well into the next question that I wanted to go to, which is, uh, what are your thoughts on creating a spectrum and not just an individual to avoid uh, needing to well, actually, to avoid in any way pigeonholing uh, the story or the character intentionally mm-hmm. or through assumption or accident. But also um, the thing that we had mentioned at the beginning of the cast, which is that Sareg made a great post for uh, Colorism Healing about um, something <laughs> that falls into my world, which is I'm a huge comic book just a uh-huh. um, shameless comic book person. <laughs> yeah. And uh, while I've been enjoying some of the shows that have been released by uh, networks like the CW, I've had conversations mm-hmm. with my neighbor um, who uh, he's really into gaming. Uh, he's, a, he's a black man about my age, maybe a little bit older than me. And he always points to the CW as having these diverse casts, but they all seem like they're, they're not as diverse as they look. When it comes to their characters, mm-hmm. there's there's a lack of diversity in their presence and in their character development. But that most recently, uh, there's been a new show called Black Lightning, which takes a uh, comic book character who came to life kind of in the 70s, um, part of DC Comics, um, black, black exploitation, but also then later became uh Less of a character for that note and more of a a character who, uh, well, through his development, became independently known for all the different uh, things that identified him beyond the fact that he was one of the first black comic book characters to come out of DC. So he's Mm -hmm. got his own show now. And um, for just a quick minute before we were uh, getting on this call today, Sarah and I had mentioned uh, the idea of Spectrum and how it exists within that show. And since mm-hmm. you put the post and sort of got this going <laughs> for me, sir, so I am going to let you uh, let you talk about that. What is it that you see in uh, in Black Lightning that you like so much? And then just uh, move yeah. that into uh, you know what you think about it as far as its ability to have a, a spectrum of black characters, yeah, uh, in a yeah. comic book show.
1: Yeah. So this is this is a I love this question. Um, so Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, who is author of Americana and um, Half of a Yellow Sun and Purple Hibiscus um, and who is, you know, slated to have films made out of her novels really soon. Um, she did a TED Talk. Um, oh, and she's also, she's mo- she became more popular in like pop culture when Beyonce used a clip from her speech in one of her songs. Oh. Um, but so she's also known for like the book Everyone Should Be a Feminist. Um, and so she, but Prior to all that, you know, the um, Beyonce feature and all those things like that, she did a TED Talk many years ago called The Danger of a Single Story. And she talked about exactly what we've been talking about this whole time, which is like stereotyping and um, like lack of nuance, lack of complexity, oversimplifying things, namely oversimplifying people um, and stories and places even, right? So thinking about the single narrative, the single story that people have of the continent of Africa, for example, um, as being this place of deprivation and starvation and, um, you know, severe oppression and things like that um, when there are, you know, many different faces um, of life on the continent. And so she talks about the need to have multiple stories um, to avoid um, reducing people to, to, to one feature or reducing places and experiences to one feature. And so I think in throughout the history of media, um, whenever a minority is represented they're usually the only character in the movie they're usually this one black character in the film there's usually one asian woman woman in the um movie right um and so they because there's only one reference there's only one point of reference then a lot of times um that becomes that kind of stands in as another stereotype it's just another way of stereotyping them And so i think they're in terms of, like, the spectrum and the range, um, I think, one, it's important to have multiple people of color. So for example, if we're talking about Black people, I think it's important to have more than just one Black person in a story or a TV show or a movie. Um, but I also think it's important to have multiple movies about Black people, right, and multiple TV shows about Black people. Um, so the reason why um, I was so impressed with Black Lightning when I first started watching it um, is that, A, there are lots of black characters, <laughs> um, which is, which, you know, cause I'm in my, you know, early to mid thirties. And so that was unusual for me growing up for most of my life. It was really unusual to have a show, um, especially, you know, on a mainstream network that had multiple black characters, especially multiple central black characters. So main characters that are black. Um, and so watching, um, black lightning, I was like, wow, okay. So there are so many characters. And I also make this comment too about, you know, the movie black Panther, um and then the thing about those black characters in black lightning is that they they look different right so they have different appearances in terms of their physical appearance um and more importantly though they they think differently they disagree they have different philosophical um approaches to life um and i think that more more so than just having a lot of black people in a show is that you show that there are black people who um approach life differently right so there are black people who are professional who wear a suit and tie to work every day there are black people um who have different sexualities right there are black people who um are super political and super like into like um History and, you know, um, protests and there are black people who are just trying to live their lives, just trying to make it through high school, you know, just trying to make money, you know, and so the the reason why I appreciate Black Lightning as a show is that um, different types of black people can find a character that they relate to. Um, and so I was expl- talking to other Black people too about how, for so, since for so long there's only been like one Black person in the show or one Black person in the movie, we've had fights and arguments and debates about who that character should be, right? So if you only have one shot at getting a Black character right, then the stakes are suddenly super, super high that that character has to do everything and be everything for everyone and has to be perfect in every way for everyone, right? But the minute that you take that pressure off of that one character, um, by having multiple characters, then you allow for the characters to be flawed, right? You, you can allow for the characters to, to have a range of humanity because they're not, they don't have the pressure of having to be perfect because they represent the entire race. It's like, no, I don't represent the entire race. I represent who I am as, a, as the one character in this story. Um, and if someone doesn't identify with me, that's fine because there's another black character over there that you might identify with who's very different from, from who I am. Um, and I think now, like, seeing that really, really gives me hope for, like, the future of diverse representation in the media. Because um, I think that's, uh, that's more sophisticated than saying, oh, well, we have our one token Black character, we have our one token Asian or Latino or, you know, female or, you know, bi or, you know, gay, lesbian character. Um, and so we've checked off all our boxes. But having multiple characters that fit, that minority demographic, I think is doing is leveling up in a lot of ways
0: wow, really, really great stuff, sir <laughs> thank you no, um, I think you covered a lot of great points, I mean from the idea of having uh one character uh and only one character in a story. Mm-hmm. And how that puts the pressures on. It reminds me that there was a silly parody movie back around the early 2000s. It was supposed to be like a parody of like the Can't Hardly Wait and things like that. Mm-hmm. In which there's a token black character. And he mm-hmm. even says like, oh, well, hi, I'm so-and-so. I just say popular black catchphrases. Like, oh, man, that's <laughs> whack. And <laughs> right. this and that. And then later he's at a party and he runs into the other token black character from the other high schooler storyline. And they're both oh, like, wow. oh, hey. Uh, you know what? This this is actually your. You know what I mean? I I should go. I should go. You know what I mean? This is really. He's like, I know, I know, it's whack. I get it. Yeah, yeah. We're both saying the same phrases. So then, you know, the one's like, okay, uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a. This is your spot. There can't be two of us. There clearly can't be two of us. Right. Right. Um. And so not only does it bring up that sort of like uh, comedic part, but it it then makes me just sort of like glance really quickly, um, at the idea of you know what you said about taking the pressure off. And how Mm -hmm. when I think about, um, well, actually, let me complete that thought. Taking the pressure off allows for the character to have flaws. It doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be a perfect character. And one Mm -hmm. of the first things that I remember that made me smile about Black Panther was he was flawed. Uh, In -hmm. fact, his first interaction with his sister, who is much more tech savvy, and logical and strategic than he is is when mm-hmm. he goes, mm-hmm. she says, Yeah, I made you a new suit. And he goes, Why? Suit works great. <laughs> and she goes, Brother, how many times have I told you just because yeah. something works well one time doesn't mean it can't be improved to work better and better. And immediately right. you see that, okay. So he's not some like, I know everything hero. He's, yes. you know, he's, <laughs> exactly. he's young, he's learning, he's taken on a new mantle. He's actually carrying two mantles, which is part of the challenge mm-hmm. of the story. Um, But that he's flawed and that these are flaws that we need to pay attention to because clearly if yeah. his sister sees him as weaknesses and areas where he can, you know, be harmed or where they can get in his way, then so can his enemies if they're, if they're trying mm-hmm. to harm him. So. By making him also flawed, I think it, it leads to that opportunity then to have him required to have a wide cast, a support. Because if he has mm-hmm. these flaws, he's going to need someone with strengths in those areas to help him, which means he's going right. to need a community. And yeah, I think that by doing that, yeah, you've, you've not only strengthened the story by strengthening the cast mm-hmm. of characters, but you've strengthened the character through their weaknesses by showing that they mm-hmm. have to overcome these things that they... It's not their perfection that makes them a desirable character to watch and, and to right. uh, engage exactly. with, but it's about their flaws that connects them to us because
1: mm-hmm.
0: there's no way we're perfect. And when we see ourselves reflected in that way, which I think goes yeah. to something you had said just a little bit ago as well, which is the idea of reflection. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's a really important thing as well. So all the points that I'm just praising about your answers. Um <laughs> I am realizing one thing that this is like about a 52 minute recording. So I'm just going (laughs) to take about two minutes to pause, check all of my tech, make sure batteries are, you know, square and everything. And then in about two more Mm -hmm. minutes, I'll give you another connect call and we'll go over a few more of the remaining questions. Sound good? Sounds
1: good. good. Okay.
0: Thanks, Sarah. I'll be talking to you in a second. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth. Whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me which should be a really simple little button and if you're having any trouble don't hesitate to reach out and let me know and i'll make sure that i'll do my best to help but your listening your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible and i couldn't do it without you so thank you again not only for listening, but for your generous support and for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.